You know that song Tribute by Tenacious D where they say that they recorded the best song in the world but the song that you're hearing isn't actually the best song in the world? What they're singing is just a tribute? Well, this podcast is going to be a tribute to the last 45 minutes of me recording on pause. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, friends, to the Zero for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Zero for Hire, and I'm going to try to recap everything that I did in the last 45 minutes on pause. That's right. I did that. I recorded almost an entire podcast without actually recording anything. And I feel like a chump. (laughs) So, how have you guys been since the last time we talked? Um, I've been busy. I've been well. I've been a lot of different things. And I thought that this would be the episode that I would take the time to explain to you guys what we've been doing. Because I have been doing so much. So, why don't we start getting into that? I recently celebrated a birthday... So, yay for that. I am now officially 42 years old. 42 trips around the sun. I know, it's crazy, right? And for my birthday, my wife has been very gracious, very cool. Uh, She took me out, actually, and we did some things that we normally don't get to do. Uh, We went to a museum. We went to a celebrity car museum. We went to the Trump store. And then um, because she and the girls were with us, I want to do something that they would enjoy as well. So we went to a cat cafe. Boy, let me tell you something about cats. Cats are disgusting. Yeah. Cats are gross. It's not that they were doing anything gross while we were at the cat cafe. But what was going on? Like They had 40 cats. And and just let me tell you right off the outset, right in the outset, it smelled like 40 cats. It smelled exactly how you think 40 cats would smell. So the Cat Cafe is a cat-themed cafe, coffee shop, whatever. We got the kids some boba tea. You walk in, there's all of these, this cat paraphernalia, notebooks and toys and cups and all kinds of stuff. And I got two little girls with me. And it's great. And they're like, aw, look at those little cat ears. Oh, he's so cute. His notebook. And he's got the whiskers. And a little nose. Little ears. Little tail. Little cats. That's how little girls are supposed to act. And we get inside. And uh, <laughs> there is... I, I kind of forgot. I lost where I, where I was. I forgot the world that we live in. And we were greeted by... It was just like this group of Dungeons and Dragons fans. This is the best I can put it. You know the kids that we used to hang out with just after high school? The Pit Kids? It's a bunch of them. Um, Kind of like a version of them. I don't know. Like this, this, this next last couple generations versions of those kids are in their late 20s now. Um, they're all obese. They still do the whole like hair, hair dye thing where they let their hair grow out for way too long. And before they actually dye it again, they don't wash or take care of their clothes. And there's just like a whole group of them up there. So it's just like 
one guy with a fedora and a neck beard and like three super obese girls with like they're like cockeyed with like one of their eyes doesn't work they're pointing in two different directions like that lizard and they're all going oh look at the ding and the the whiskers and the cats and the paws and the ear and i'm like oh my god this is what is this this is a mental illness so these are grown adult women acting like my little girls at the cat cafe and that was like not a great introduction for me um, and then, uh, we walk into, we talk to the ladies at the counter and I'm wearing the latest Trump shirt. And when I say the latest, like I got this directly from the campaign, it's got Trump's mugshot. Remember I told you when, as soon as they released that as a mugshot, I was going to get one. I did everywhere we went. People loved it. They, people noticed it. So I know they noticed it and they saw me walk in. I have my Trump mugshot shirt. It says never surrender on the bottom. Um, And we're just standing there politely waiting for the mentally insane woman to stop gushing about her, whatever she's gossiping about. Because it's not just a cat. It was it was something going on. She had something going on at home that she needed everybody to know about. And uh, she's like, well, let me talk to these customers. Let me take care of these customers. I'll talk to you later. You know, like the other lady had to end the conversation for her because she was just so into her story. She didn't, you know, she didn't notice us behind them. So they leave, and then uh, you have, like, the one girl taking our orders, and then there's, like, this goth chick that, like, left right away, and I was like, what's what's that about? And we get our tickets, and we go into the cat room, and you have to pay for time in the cat room. So you go into the cat room, and it's, like, 15 minutes for this price, a half hour for this price, an hour and I'm like, wow, people must really love cats. And then we get up to the door and she says, yes, there's 40 cats. And I'm like, 40 cats. Wow, that's crazy. Then we get up to the door and it's like a double door, like a silkwood shower sort of thing. So you have to go into the room and close that door. And then you can open the other door because cats like to try to escape or whatever. And as soon as you open that other door, whew, the smell of 40 cats. Holy crap. They're cute, but they're smelly. Like, I, I that's I'm... I feel like there's a gas leak or something and I'm slowly passing out. Like that's, that's how I feel. I'm walking around and I take a lap around the cat room and I say hi to two of the cats or whatever. And I'm trying not to pass out. And I look at my wife and I'm like, I'm going to go back into the other room. I can't deal. I cannot deal with the smell. It's just the smell of ammonia and 40 cats. So I leave. And as I'm leaving, these two other women come in. Same, same deal, same description, same dress style, same obesity, all of it. I don't understand. This is like an archetype now. Just like these like dingy. And so the two fat chicks go in and they are buying an hour's worth of time. But they've apparently been traveling across the country going to all the cat houses. So they knew what they were getting into. Apparently the smell of 40 cats doesn't bother them like it bothers me. And I'm just like, oh, you guys can have it. So they go into the cat room, my family's still in there, and my wife quickly grabs the kids and, and sh- you know, ushers them out. And I'm like, what's wrong? She says, as soon as the, the, the fat chicks walked in, the cats started going nuts. They started growling and hissing and being aggressive and fighting each other. It was like just bad juju all around. And so it's not just me, man. It's not just me when I say, like, there's just, like, crazy, weird, demonized people out here, like, changing the world there's something going on, but yeah, 
So we let the fat cross-eyed chicks have the the cat room, and we decided to get out of there. And then we went to Walmart. We got a couple of things that my wife needed to pick up, and we got back out to the car, and we were like, ugh, I can still smell the cat. So I went back in and got some Febreze and sprayed everybody down, and then we went to get something to eat. And when we got there, we could still smell the cat. So I sprayed everybody down again and sprayed the inside of the car out with Febreze. We went to eat at Famous Days. We had a great time. And yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went down. Uh, I made a video about it and I'm going to post that except for the whole cat thing. I didn't take any. I didn't want to remember that too much. I'll let you guys know about that here on the podcast. So what's been going on in the last couple of weeks other than my birthday? Well, I have started a new job, which is one of the reasons you haven't heard from me for very much where I'm traveling. I'm driving a lot. I can do some driving stuff. Definitely. I can definitely do some driving stuff. It's the issue of getting notes together to talk about. And I haven't been able to follow the news as closely as I would like to. So really what's going on is I'm listening to three hours worth of podcasting during my drive there and back. Catching up on the latest news. And and then my Crazy Christian Culture video on the 520 collective channel if you haven't heard that um every at the beginning of every month i'm going to post a video it's the crazy christian culture stories of the month we just exited and so what i'm doing is doing a montage a, a countdown of seven stories and i spent a lot of time on that because i was i was nervous i was saying that you know, the the one for July was sitting at like six or seven hundred views and we didn't even promote it. And it was the first one. And I was like, wow, you know, that's pretty good for our channel. And then I dropped this one and it hits two thousand views at that same day. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we got we have a trend on our hands. We have a winner. It's a hit. And. um I, I just I was just so nervous, you know, I, I got to do a good job and we ended up doing a good job. So for the next one, we want to make sure we do a good job, obviously. And I was talking to Eric from 520 Collective, and he wants to do something of a regular show. And I'm also thinking, like, is that something that I should be doing? Is focusing more so on Christian culture, bringing the news stories to this show, doing it that way. And that that makes more sense to me, because going into this election season, I cannot recommend redoing what we've done for the last three years on the zero hour podcast where we were just looking at oh democrats bad you know look at what's going on in the news fake republicans fake you know evil democrats all it's a there's it's a lot and it's getting to be too much and so i'm looking and there's lots of stories that we can cover that aren't necessarily going to make it but we should definitely like look at look at some of the stuff and so that's what i'm looking at doing um, just to give you two examples, Kanye West and his wife, Bianca, uh, was it Sensori? Is that her name? They're banned for life from Venice because they were like, okay, you go to Venice and you know how they have streets and then they have rivers that are, or canals that are streets in Venice, Italy. Well, they were like on the boat in Venice, just getting it on or doing something. And it's, it's come on dude it's too much like 
Kanye is trying to change some things about his life, and I understand, like, he needs deliverance, man. That sexual immorality that you give yourself over to when you're younger, it takes root, and it's strong. And he's trying to do right by at least being married. You know, the marriage bed is undefiled, but it's like, you have to wonder, is this entire marriage just based on sexual preferences and sexuality and things that he likes to do? Because normal people don't go to Venice and then get it on out in the open where everybody can see him. Now he's banned for life. Uh, so, I mean, he needs to be, he needs to be mentored, man. He needs some better people around him. As a matter of fact, we, we're, we're doing this thing where whatever day it is, that's what proverb we have the kids read. And then I want to sit and talk to him. I can't always talk to him every day about it. But today we were sitting down talking. Uh, they read proverb 18. And there's a lot of good stuff in proverb 18, especially about how the fools isolate themselves because they're only interested in their own opinions. They're only interested in their own desires. They despise correction. And you look at people like Kanye and you have to wonder, is this what he's what he is? You know, all the people that would tell him no, all the people that would set him straight in his life. Has he cast those people out of his life and then he just has himself surrounded by a bunch of yes men? I mean, that's the prevailing idea, at least as far as I'm concerned. He's just there's just nobody in his life that's going to set him straight anymore. And when you're when you're not in a community of believers, when you're not subject to anyone in your life, then, yeah, you're just going to make more bad decisions than you normally would if you had friends around you. You know, you, you, you can't embarrass other people by proxy if you're not a part of anyone's life. So, yeah, pray for Kanye because he needs it. Uh, that's we're going to look more into that story. And then another one, interesting one that came up a few, few uh, two weeks ago, it came to my attention two weeks ago. Is, uh, Angel Studios announces an anime about Gabriel. Well, I don't I don't want to say it's about Gabriel, but it's called Gabriel. So the link that I have is uh, let's see. Let's see how much work they actually did. It's a Rapzilla link. Okay, he's got a little bit of a, a blurb here. He's got some Instagram posts and stuff. So, yeah, from Rapzilla's covering that beat. It says, uh, speaking of anime, one thing they consistently excel at is delivering remarkable theme songs. Remember the unforgettable hip-hop Samurai Champloo and the iconic Dragon Ball Z theme? <laughs> okay. Uh, they're trying. So that's Rapzilla. Yeah, but yeah, Angel Studios is releasing this this Gabriel anime. It's supposed to be based on I don't know, man. I'm I'm not even going to get into it right now. I'm going to do a little bit more reading and you guys I'll let you know what we find. But my kids, they do watch some of the shows on Angel Studios where we keep a close eye because as you guys might know, Angel Studios is a Mormon company and not a Christian company. And so, if they're doing an anime about angels, then it's probably like that one Catholic show. Remember there was that Catholic show called Angels or Guardians or something like that? And it was... What was it? It was like this weird computer animated thing. And it was all about like angels in the garden before the fall or before God created men or something. And it's just like all this goofy angelic theology that's probably Catholic in origin. But it is goofy, man. And if you watch that show, you'll come you'll come away thinking some things that are just like off the wall bonkers when it comes to theology. 
And that's the challenge here, right? You don't want to base your theology on a TV show, which is what I think a lot of people are having problems with The Chosen. But you do want to be entertained. You just want some stories. And, and so finding that balance, it's the, it's the very same issue that we have with Christian music. Christian music is finding the balance between being a Christian artist and like being a good artist and being a Christian. And that's what it should be. It is art reflected through your faith, through your Christian worldview. But like we have too many of these artists that say, well, I'm not a pastor. And they think they just that means they just do whatever they want. They write whatever they want. They can be like everybody else. And they forget about the Christian part of it. And that's that's the challenge we have with these Christian shows. A lot of them are so bent on creating a message that they forget to be entertaining, that they don't hire good acting or anything like that. And then some of them are Christian, loosely Christian based. So it's all story, but it's mostly like just darkness and debauchery and or it's so heavy handed that it's not like a good weekend view. So like you have the, the, the Sound of Freedom, which is a huge box office success. One of the top grossing Christian movies of all time up there with Passion of the Christ. Those are both very heavy handed movies that I'm not just going to be like, hey, I got some extra time this weekend. Why don't we watch The Passion of the Christ? I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to watch that. That's too heavy handed. Now you have like the Chronicles of Narnia, which were the other ones, and they are hardcore on the other side. They're so good in the story, but it's just off the wall bonkers theology. It's it's loosely allegorically based on some things, but it's more fantasy based. You know, and so these are the challenges with having Christian movies. And I don't have the answers for you guys right now. I mean, I'm getting into filmmaking myself. Hopefully I can create some stories or some things that that have the Christian worldview and Christian messaging that we that I think we deserve to have in movies that we should have in movies. One 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 answer that I do have is we should at least have a Christian worldview in the stories. So as we as creationists are teaching our kids, when you look at the origins of species, you have the evolutionary version of it and you have the creationist version. Now, on the evolutionary version, we all come from a single cell and then that cell splits off and becomes other cells and then those cells split off and become a different kind of thing and so one becomes a bacteria one becomes an amoeba one becomes a thing and they split off and they become other things and then you have creatures and so you have all of this like frog or whatever but then there's some fish too and then the, then the frog splits off and becomes a bird and a lizard and, and then the lizard becomes a bird and then the bird becomes some other thing and then the frog becomes a thing and it's like how in how in god's green earth do you think a frog is going to turn into a lizard and then a lizard's going to turn into a bird. And I know that that's the evolutionary worldview because that's what they teach you in Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, that's what they teach you in, in uh, what's, what's the dinosaur study of dinosaurs. And so the Christian worldview is that we have kinds. God created each creature of its kind. And so what you're never... See, the evolutionists, they say, this finch became another finch. And it's like, yeah, but it's still a finch. That's the point. It's never going to be anything other than a bird. A bird is not going to turn into a raccoon. They're, they're very different creatures. Marsupials 
have different structures, but they still fit in the kind that they are. So there are marsupial dogs, marsupial bats. It's weird, right? God's creation is all over the place, but they fit the same rules. They don't come from a single cell. And it's easy to think that what they do is they get to the root dog. They say, oh, look at all these kinds of dogs. And they all come from, they all have this in common. They come from a single dog. But then where they take it too far is they say, now all of the, the dog and the cat, they came from this. And they try to find a root for those things. And God didn't make it that way. God made dogs. Then he made cats. Then he made birds. Then he made fish. And every creature of its kind. And you know how you can tell the kind? Because they can interbreed. Even if that even if that offspring, like a lion and a tiger, even if the offspring can't reproduce itself, you still have the offspring. You're never going to have the offspring of a bear and a lizard. It's way too different. That's never going to happen. So that's... That's what I'm saying. Like, we need to have a Christian worldview. We can't have issues of like luck and karma when we have an intelligent being that is supreme over all life, over all of everything, all of creation. And then you're going to leave something up to the universe or luck or things like that. We can't have that worldview. It's 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 hard. But um. That's what we got to do. We got to we got to get to telling stories within the context, within the confines of a Christian worldview. And I think we'll get closer to having that good entertainment because it'll take some things away. You know, there's a lot of stuff that the Bible allows for that doesn't necessarily mean that's what that story is about. Waiting for my daughter to close that door. You look at um, Samuel, Samuel in the book of Samuel, Saul goes to a witch and they bring back Samuel from the dead. And Samuel is like very unhappy with him. And then there are some people that say, well, this was a demon pretending to be Samuel. And then there are other people that say, well, the Bible says it was Samuel. And this is so this is what it was. Go back and look at it for yourself. Like, what is the Bible saying? What is the worldview? What is the Bible teaching? And this is how we have arguments about a lot of things in theology. But the point is that the Bible warns against mystics and, and magic users and stuff like that. And then it gives us examples of them. So they exist in the reality that we live in. So you can you can work with that, but keep it within a Christian worldview. And if you do that, we're, we're going to be on the way to some really good storytelling. And I also think that Hollywood is the main stepping stone, the main roadblock, I should say, from getting good Christian movies out there. Uh, they exist to defile. They don't, they, they are not your friend. They will never help us. We're going to have to do it without Hollywood. We need more people, more people, more creators to invest in the church and, and what building the kingdom of God. And we'll see some much, much better things there. I got, um, Timothy is messaging me here and maybe I can get him on real quick i don't want to i don't want to stop because i don't know if it'll stop or if it'll pause um so yeah let's let's find out okay it turns out it pauses so i'm gonna pause the show i'm gonna see if i can get timothy to jump on here with me for a few minutes we'll talk about some comic creation because that's the next leg of what i wanted to talk about with you guys before i you know screwed up the original recording so i'll be right back all right 
And we are back. We have Mr. Timothy Himes from Himesight Studios on the line here. And he is currently the head illustrator for the book that I'm working on. And he's also got some other projects. So I wanted him to come on and talk with us a little bit about comic creation and world building and all these things that go into the wonderful world of comics. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm great. Uh, finally get to do a podcast after all these weeks, and I'm just updating people on what's going on. Sounds good. And speaking of updates, um, you, as the beginning of as, as of the beginning of the month, are, what is it, 126% on your crowdfund? Yeah, for the Kickstarter project for Chronicles of the Afterworld, Sovereign the Eclipse Stone, issue number one. That's pretty cool. So what's the, uh, what's the general synopsis? So, Sovereign the Eclipse Stone is a story that actually takes place in a post-apocalyptic future. Um, the primary antagonist is named Cadence Matthews. And the idea is, the concept is basically, if you were to take something like Blade Runner, Mad Max, Aliens, um, and then you kind of inject that with like a supernatural feel or a supernatural kind of a, a perspective on everything, that's kind of the world itself. Cadence Matthews, in short, is extremely happy because she just found out that uh, she was uh, able to become pregnant. And in this distant dystopian kind of a future, you have to have permission from the Sanguinity, which are basically a group of vampires that, you know, control everything that's going on. Um, Cadence goes to tell her husband she's super happy about what's happening. And unfortunately, he meets her and uh, he accuses her of infidelity and then he uh, murders her. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty brutal in the beginning, but that's actually just the start of a uh, potential series of comics. The first uh, the first three issues are basically an introduction to the Chronicles of the Afterworld setting, to the primary characters, and uh, to try to get everything kind of started off on that nice rocky, uh, hopefully a, a kind of a question inducing setting. That's cool. I remember when you were telling me about it originally. I said, it "Sounds like our." stories could take place in the same universe yeah because the, the setting is very similar uh with the aside of the vampire government thing workings that that stuff mm -hmm. i'd have to learn about from your world but there's yes. definitely some maybe some potential for crossover there yeah there definitely would be at some point so most listeners of the show already have listened to the last day audio uh, if not you can get it here on the Substack, and that's available for you guys to download and listen to very similar thing, post-apocalyptic world, except the stories of my show take place within a walled city. So they don't know about anything that's going on outside of the walls, which is what leaves a lot of open space for things like that. And um, I came to you, Tim, for um, some some illustration work because I, I can't draw anymore. I don't know what happened. I just woke yeah. up one day, couldn't draw anymore. So <laughs> well, I thank you for that. I really do. And um, when I first went to record the podcast, I forgot to hit record, but I was telling the story about um, how we kind of put this together, me, you, and another gentleman that ghosted us mid-project. Yeah, that's that's something I really, I have to say that I, I really come down on um, as far as artists ghosting other people because basically that ends up setting a very negative precedent for the rest of us that are, you know, honest, hardworking individuals that just really want to be involved in uh, the creative aspects of getting really good stories, graphic novels, and comics out there into the public. Yeah. 
and it left a really it left a bad taste in my mouth but it also i guess in contrast was a good backdrop for highlighting the work that you do because this process for me has been uh has far exceeded my expectations so you don't just do digital work um kind of explain some of your process because there's a, a crossover between old school and new technology so my process is actually traditional um i prefer to term freelance traditional uh illustrator and what i do is basically i draw everything by pencils and inks uh, i draw everything by hand uh, pencils and inks being the, my preferred genre However, what I do do is I know several artists that are all over the world, and whenever I need some kind of digital work, digital touch-ups, coloring, lettering, whatever, um, I contact the people with uh, a hashtag Sovereign Project. And that's something that I founded and started, where it's a group of artists from all over the world that get together to help each other on uh, different comic projects, and we kind of network with each other as well. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't know about that last part. So, um... But then also in your process, so what we did was something called a turnaround. For yes. those who aren't in the illustration world, what does that entail? A turnaround is a very basic uh, character concept where what you're doing is you're presenting the visuals for a character design, the uh, front, the back, the left, and the right side. Um, and more within the last 20 to 30-ish years or so, uh, character turnarounds have kind of fallen off to the side a little bit, but, uh, you know, for a lot of us that have been in the industry or have, have been following the industry for decades, turnarounds are like an extremely important aspect of being able to create a comic because they show you what each one of the characters looks like from different angles. And then it is up to each artist to interpret that given, uh, you know, the dynamic of specific angles. Like if you wanted to go for like uh, a high overhead canted angle or something, you would look at this turnaround and then utilizing that as a reference tool, you would be able then to uh, create the image for each one of the panels in the comic page itself. Yeah, and I thought that that was really important because you want to have an iconic figure um, or you want something unique in your characters. And if, you're, if your artists are all over the place with how the character looks, then that makes it very difficult. A really good mm -hmm. example is uh, Van Helsing. Yes. You know what Van Helsing looks like by a silhouette because he's got his hat, he's got his coat, he's got certain things a certain way, and when you see him off in the distance, you're like, oh, that's Van Helsing. Absolutely. So I, um, I don't know, I, I guess I picked up on the concept somewhere along the way without really knowing what it is, but I think that's, that would be important for things like comic design, game design. You know, I hate when I watch a movie and the character looks nothing like he does in the comics. Yes. I have to agree with that. It really bothers me sometimes. So one of the other things that you do is uh, some time lapses of your sketches. Is that a new, a new thing? Uh, it's not really new for me. See, the thing is, is I'm going to go back to that artist who unfortunately ghosted uh, you during this process. Uh, what I want to do is I want to, with all of my clients, I try to work on building a, uh, a certain degree of trust and respect for each other's work. Mm -hmm. um, the hyperlapse or time-lapse images basically show the amount of time I'm actually putting into working on somebody else's creation or even my own creations. And it gives somebody an insight into actually seeing what that process is uh, and what it looks like without taking up too much of their time. I think it's another degree of verifying humanity. Um, yes. One of the things that sounds like that, like your, is yep, your goal alarm. Yep, that's a message, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, one, one of the things that I liked was how you and I were able to sit down, uh, do a face-to-face -face video chat, verify humanity, um, where this other person 
I, I wasn't able to talk to him face to face. Uh, the few interactions we had were strange, and I'm not sure if the work that he did was his own. But I can go to your page and I can see almost daily updates in real time that you're you. working on stuff. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm not scared to show my face. To me, any artist or anybody, basically, if you're going to work with something and you're scared to show your face, that's kind of a red flag to me. Um, yeah. I work in security. I'm a professional security officer and I work in the healthcare industry. But um, things like that just kind of, they're telltale signs that somebody is basically a fraud. And what they may do is they'll jump in and they'll steal art from people like myself or other artists. And then they try to claim that as being their own. They create fake profiles on Instagram, Facebook, etc. Mm -hmm. And then they try to lure people into paying them money. So it's, it's all part of the scam. Yeah, and I've, I've come across that more than a few times. Um, with this last artist, I decided to go with the extreme act of mercy and see if we can just like get him to leave me alone for 30 bucks or you know it was like if i could yeah. buy your silence for 30 bucks and i know you're a fraud then now that's worth it but i wouldn't yeah. suggest going that route when we have clear reds red flags like you said yeah i mean there are certain telltale signs um i don't want to deviate too much from your conversation but things that uh to be aware of is usually they'll start off with something very simple and with all due respect uh, stupid yeah um They'll start off with like, hi, and then that's the only message you get until you respond because they want to see if you're going to respond. And then it's a, hello, how are you doing? And it looks like they're basically trying to initiate a, a general conversation. Um, these are all basically copy-paste tactics that uh, a lot of uh, fraudulent individuals utilize to get you to give them attention. And then shortly into the conversation, if you don't get a sense that these are all you know copy-paste replies, what they'll do is they will continue until they get to a point where they're going to basically ask you for money or attempt to hire you. But then, of course, they have a trick. Oh, we're going to use PayPal. I'll send you an email, which is, you know, completely fraudulent. And that's how they scam people. So I um, I didn't think about it as being a copy-paste thing, but that makes a lot of sense. A lot of times these people are, they don't use English as their, that's not their first language. And I don't want to de denigrate immigrants or anything, which is why... I extended mercy to this other guy because I was thinking like, you know, sometimes people live in the same house. They don't always speak English. But when it takes three and five hours to get a response back and the response is, how are you? Like, clearly something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Absolutely. we could talk about that more later on a different episode. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. But um, is there anything uh, you want listeners to look out for on your end and i'm definitely going to be sharing some of the work that we're doing here on the Substack. Well, i appreciate that yeah um i'm currently as hindsight creative studios i am working on several different projects actually uh chronicles of the afterworld solving the eclipse stone is part of a uh, three-part introductory series and what i'm doing is something i have not seen a lot of other people doing and i'm just hoping it's going to work i want to introduce the world to the different stories and settings that i have in three issue increments so the idea is kind of like you get part one two and three and then I'm gonna work on a few other different projects and then a little bit down the road I'm gonna go back to those projects hopefully you know developed a little bit of a fan base people have been able to read them and then I want to move on to either another set of three issue series or potentially even jump into an ongoing series um, super short the two primary projects that I'm doing right now are of course the one I just mentioned Chronicles of the Afterworld um, the other one that I'm working on is actually called Blood Moon Mountain Darken Ridge, which takes place in a completely, 
it's completely separate as far as a united or unified universe goes. And that story takes place in 1969 uh, during the height of the Vietnam War. Oh, cool. So different timelines in the same universe. Yeah. I like the strategy. I like the concept. It it makes sense. I was I was talking before we got you on about having... Um, I was talking about the Christian music industry, mm-hmm. not music, movie industry, and how I really feel like they need to focus on just the worldview in their storytelling. Yes. Yes. And if you can get a if you can get a solid worldview, then you have a lot of room. But you have to plant those restrictions, just like the turnaround. The character has to look like this, Absolutely. but then you can do a lot of things within these confines. Absolutely, uh, one of the most important things that any creator can do is remember that your setting is actually a character in and of itself. So mm. your setting has to have a certain life to it. And if your setting doesn't have life, it doesn't give the characters uh, something that they can actually work with. Yeah, that's so. a good, that's a good piece of information to to walk away with. So where do where do people find you in your work, or where, what links can I leave for you? Uh, right now, currently, you can contact me through my Facebook profile. It's probably the fastest route. Um, you know, you can direct message me at any time if you want. Um, I am currently available uh, for commissions, but I am also working on another comic right now uh, for another creator, as well as helping you with yours. Um, that comic is uh, Extreme Retirement by Mary Dumas. And I cannot uh, talk anything about it. I'm under a contract, which is something I also highly recommend. I mean, if you're going to work for somebody else, going the contract route just kind of helps keep each other honest. Got you. All right, so we'll leave some links for that. I'm going to pause here as we exit the interview, but I got some stuff that I need to talk to you on the other end, so just hang on one second. And you guys listening will teleport to the end of the show. Hang on. Okay, and we are back on the other side of the interview podcast. I haven't used this system to do that before. I, I think that was really cool, convenient. I like doing that. Try to get some more people lined up to do some short stuff like that because there's a lot of interesting things going on in the world, and I'd love to bring it here to you. Uh, and speaking of which, I am going to have to get back to the interesting things in my world because the work never ends, and there's a lot of work for me to be doing here. So... Wrapping this up, we're going to get ready for some stuff for the comic book. I'll be posting some of the work that we got here. A lot of things. Just go to the Substack, zeroforhire.com or Substack. Uh, what is it? Substack. I don't know, man. I'm on Substack, zero for hire. <laughs> Jeez, it's been a long week. I'll talk to you guys soon.